Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another one is Jack Wilshire. Now, Jack grew up in Hitchin, just down the road from mm. me. There's a, there was a nightclub in Stevenage called Chicago's. The night that he made his debut for England at 17, he turns up in the flashiest car you've ever seen. Right. Straight up to the door. All right, mate, I'm coming in. Who are you? I'm Jack Wilshere. You might have just seen me. I was playing for England tonight. Oh, yeah. Made your debut. Yeah. At 17. Yeah. You obviously can't come in. Right. <laughs> You're famous for being 17. Football. At the end of the day. Football. It's a funny old game. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. Comedians Talking About Football. Hello, welcome to the Comedians Talking About Football podcast. A podcast where we do just that. Each episode, a different comedian talks about the lows, the highs, the overpriced pies and pretty much everything else that comes with supporting a football team. I'm your host, Sam Michael, and I am a comedian. I played the new FIFA football game recently. Oh, so realistic. You really do feel like a Premier League footballer. I played it for 10 minutes. I actually got cramp in my left calf. <laughs> I played it for a further 20 minutes. I had a sudden urge to cheat on my wife with a teenager in the back of a Land Rover. <laughs> you really do feel like a Premier League footballer. And also a long-suffering Reading FC fan. We've got some fantastic guests for you this season, including Lou Fitz talking about Man City, David Alfie Ward talking all things Tottenham, and Nathan Caton buzzing about Brentford. We're going to start, though, like every single Premier League sticker book does, with the team who always starts the season at the very, very top. That's right, we're talking about the Gunners. My guest for episode one is comedian Jacob Hawley, talking all things Arsenal FC. I think patron saint of England should be Gary Lineker. I'm a massive football fan, guys, because I too have a void to fill. And, uh, and I love Gary Lineker, right? I follow Gary Lineker on Twitter, and he's always putting really nice things about how this country should be doing more for refugees. That's something that I agree with. It's something you may disagree with. Even if you do, you have to admire such a right-footed footballer positioning himself on the left so frequently. <laughs> Thank you, lads. 
And I... <laughs> Jacob Hawley, thanks for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me, man. Really. Now, we first met, we were talking about it just before we started recording, back mm. around late 2016. Is that when uh, it was? It would have been, been yeah. around late 2016. We met at the Jericho Cafe yes. for the brilliant Jericho Comedy Night. Mm. Um, that was 2016, mate. Um, that season, Arsenal finished second. Just, 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 just going to put that there for a minute. That was the Leicester season, wasn't it? Yeah. That was tr- that's true. And uh, since since then, since I first met you, we've gigged a few times since then, and you've yeah. uh, come and done two previews at my night, which has been great fun. Yeah. And uh, I've seen you. Obviously, you went to the you got to the final of the BBC New Comedian of the Year. Yeah. In uh, 2017, you've had uh, some some great successful shows at Edinburgh. You've got a great podcast, and uh, I've seen you appear uh, on sporadically on things like you know BBC Three Shorts and Lathead yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah, saw you appear in there. Um, is it safe to say, Jacob, that as your career's gone up, Arsenal's <laughs> success has gone down? <laughs> I wondered where that was going. <laughs> um, it has. Do you, do you know what? It, it's it's a funny one to look back at. See, I don't want to say it has as if my I've been massively. I've done all right, but I mean. It's a funny one looking back at that season because at the time it didn't feel like we were that good. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because I, th- I think back then we were still looking at it within the context of obviously Wenger was still there. Yeah. We were still sort of judging him on his past achievements and going, oh, it's rubbish. I th- that was the first season. So that was the last time we finished in a Champions League place. Yeah. So that, that would have been around the time we are going, oh, we only ever finished top four. We never really were. Mm. Mm. And we came so close that year, man. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I think I remember that 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 January window, that January transfer window. I mean, we, I, I've said this every transfer window for nearly seventeen years now that we need a holding midfielder and a centre back, mm. and we still need a holding midfielder. And a but that was the one where it's <laughs> like, oh my god, if we could just get someone in, yeah, that could be the year that we. I mean, yeah, we came second. We came, and I think look at that. I mean, it's a crazy season that one, sixteen, seventeen, the Leicester yeah. season. Because I think most top teams look at that and go, "What?" Well, I mean, Spurs specifically mm. look at that and go, "God, we should have won the league that year. We should have won the league that year. Arsenal should have won the league that year." And, and looking back now, a season where Özil, that's probably the last one where he was close to his best. Mm. Sanchez was absolutely at his best. Yeah. Uh, Koscielny was one of, in my opinion, the best centre backs in Europe. Giroud, I think, criminally underrated as a as a really useful centre forward. Maybe not a thirty goal a season striker like a Bamian, but yeah. And then since then, obviously, Wenger left. Emery came in. I think that was a disaster. Really, I, I, there are people who look at Emery's reign and go, "Oh well, we came close." It's like right. And you look back at those hazy days of 2016 and go, God, it, it was nice when we used to just finish top four all the time. Well, you think about that time when you were finishing top four. There was yep. still a lot of shouts for Wenger out at the time now were you ever part of that no I, I wasn't I wasn't and I, th- I think there's a few reasons for that I think I, I'm I'm 28 now so my I don't really I mean so Wenger came in in 1997 I think it might, so I'd have yeah, been, it might six been earlier or, than that or I even. think it was nine, or maybe 96 so mm. I was about 6 or 7 or maybe younger maybe 5 or 6 yeah. so I, 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 I've only ever known Wenger Arsenal right yeah right? when I'm young he wins his double for the first time when I'm about 12 or 13, we go invincible and win the double yeah. again. That's honestly the best age to do that. Like, that, like to be able to go into school. Mm. You know, and, and I grew up just outside of North London, so most people were Spurs fans or Arsenal fans. Right. And to be part of that, watching Thierry Henry, yeah. you know, Pires, uh, Vieira, Jungberg, Bergkamp, you know, 
to have that when you're 12 or 13 and to recognise Wenger as the man who gave you that, it's impossible to switch on him. You know, of he, course, he, yeah. He, and, and again, within, within, you know, but by the end I was like, okay, we, we do need to move on now, of course. Mm. But, you know, I, I remember winning the, the FA Cup in, was it 2014? I think we won the FA Cup. That was yeah. the first time we broke the trophy drought. And it, it felt like the good times were back. And, and again, within the context of things, we, we were there in a time when City had come out of nowhere with loads of money, Chelsea had loads of money, and we were still finishing top four yeah, year in, year out. So I, I never quite lost it with Wenger. I think the other thing with Wenger as well is that for most of those that period where we were, you know, sort of from 20, 2006 onwards after we yeah, lost the Champions League final, we, had, we, we always had a group of young players where you were going to go, he's going to sort them out. They're going to be our new crop. That's going right. to be the next crop, you know. Where you know there, there was the Danielson DRB sort of group. They they look brilliant, and I, I still think DRB's a, a, could be a, an all like one of our best players we'd ever had if the injuries hadn't wrecked his career. Uh, after that, obviously Wilshere, Ramsey, that mm. lot, Oxley Chamberlain, which you could argue he still got you know good careers out of some of them. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that that was why the optimism was always there. So I was never what you'd call Wenger out. And I think the, the problem is that by the time it came to a period where logically we had to move on from the Arsene Wenger reign, Wenger out had become synonymous with Arsenal fan TV. Yeah. And you never want to be them. You know, <laughs> e, e, like even when they're right, I'd rather be wrong right. than be in agreement with those people. Do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, I, I was always on that side of things. That's fair. I mean, uh, to me, I always felt the um, Wenger out crowd came around the time that Man City kind of came out of nowhere, like you were talking about earlier. I mean, mm. um, if you remember kind of in the late kind of 2000s, when it was the, there was the, the top four, mm. which was Liverpool, Man United, <clears throat> Arsenal and Chelsea. Yeah. Arsenal always seemed to get a lot more credit for anything they achieved because they were doing it on a much smaller budget than the other three teams. Mm. Then suddenly Man City come in and they start, you know, Changing things, yeah, changing yeah. things up. You know, the league really did change from the moment they won the yeah. league onwards, and when all, all that money came in. Do you think then suddenly a lot of Arsenal fans kind of forgot that the financial situation is very different compared to a Man City and everything like that? Uh, yeah, I think possibly. I think, I think the other context to throw in there is that in two thousand and six, it was the stadium. That's yeah. where that's when we moved to the Emirates, and then moving to a. I think it's sixty-two thousand seat stadium mm. was like insane. The the you know jumping from Highbury and I prefer Highbury. I think all of us prefer Highbury. Highbury mm. was incredible. The Emirates still feels a bit corporate, stale. You know, it, it's not quite there. But that was a big thing. Moving and, and also back in two thousand six, the only way you became one of the biggest spenders, one of the biggest forces in Europe, mm. was having a stadium that brings you in revenue. So we had to do it. Then exactly as you say. Suddenly, Abramovich, I mean, Abramovich came to Chelsea, I think, 2004. But City, again, you know, and you look at now, Everton have got, you know, billionaires bankrolling them. There's there's loads of teams. They're talking about Saudis taking over Newcastle. That'd be another mm. one. So it's, when, when we did that stadium move, which meant that we were, like, skint for years on end, You were, at the time you sort of went, well, it's fair enough because... We've done it to get the stadium. Okay. You have to do it. But then, exactly as you say, City come along. Not only have they got the money where they, they wouldn't need a big stadium, but like that, they move from Main Road to the Etihad. Of course. So it's without any debt, without any baroneers. So, it, yeah, I think I think the sort of the City effect and the Chelsea effect and the 
the effect that had on football did absolutely change the way that people looked at Arsenal. Speaking of the stadium, um, the Emirates does get a bit of a reputation for being quiet, yeah. I think, you know, among people who have visited there and what have you. Do you think that is a, a growing problem? Like you said, a lot of these teams are having to move to bigger stadiums if they mm. want to be competing at the top level. West Ham have done it recently, Tottenham have... I'd argue Tottenham are in that bracket as well, even though they're kind of built on the same area. Yeah. And do you think that that can cause a problem? Because, like you said, the Invincible season took place, you know, at um, the original ground at Highbury. Yeah. And that making that jump can affect a team for quite a while. I think, I, I mean, I, I've been to West Ham's, my first ever game was at West Ham, Upton Park, uh, mm. back in 1993 or whenever it was. And I remember the noise. I mean, it would have been louder because I was young, but... You know, it was a real amazing atmosphere. And then I've also been to the, the London Stadium. Have you been to London Stadium? Yeah, and it's it's hard because you used to know at these older places, same as it was at Highbury, where the proper, proper, proper fans were. Do you know what I mean? The yep. loud fans who would stand all game and you could yep. see them. And you used to see it on match of the day, even at West Ham, you could just see right that wall there. Mm-hmm. there. And when I went to the London Stadium, I think it was in their second season there, mm-hmm. there was patches of stood fans. And to me, it... it it takes a while for a stadium, the bigger it is, the longer, to kind of get that proper fan base back. And I, I don't think West Ham would do it there. I, I, I and I think they've been mm. a fortunate position where they're essentially paying a lease rather than they don't actually own that stadium. So if they wanted to, they could do something else because I, I, I think the, the, this is the problem. I, I don't know whether Arsenal will get there. I don't think West Ham will get there. City have got a problem with it. But but then the flip side is Chelsea have a problem with it. I've, I've mm. been to the bridge a couple of times. That's, that can be really, really quiet. Yeah. I, Personally, I think it's a larger problem which isn't necessarily to do with just the size of the stadiums. I think it's the price of the tickets. Yeah. I think old-fashioned fans are getting priced out. And the, the problem is it's not their fault, but the seats are getting filled with uh, business people, tourists, uh, and it's just not the same. It's, it's And it's never going to be the same. And the weird thing you've got on an economic level is that actually you'd imagine... Bigger stadiums, more seats, demand technically lower, should be able to give away cheaper seats. Yeah. But it's not the way it's worked. It's actually more expensive. So good fan like old fashioned fans who sing a lot can't afford to go anymore. You know, I, I sit I sit where we sit in the Emirates and so often we we got this we got like a row in front of us with these old school cab drivers. Right. They haven't enjoyed a game since about eighty three. Like <laughs> but they but they love not enjoying it. But they're yeah. they a bit, they're there, but then around us, it's it's you know people who come in and have a, have a little and then go out and then it's not. So I, I don't think it's just Arsenal that are going to have that problem. I think we I think yeah. we we're probably one of the first ones because we made that move to the bigger stadium. Okay. I know Spurs are having the same problem. Mm. I know I know that Chelsea are having the problem at Stamford Bridge now. So it's not necessarily having a big ground. It's it's just I I think it's a London problem. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to infect football, mate. I, I do think it's an issue. I think the only way you get it back, and I really hope this gets sorted, is safe standing. Okay. I really hope they get a safe standing because you look at what that's done for Germany. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at Dortmund, it's insane. Yeah. And most of that's safe standing. And also, you can offer it so cheap. I mean, I, I think you can get tickets to Dortmund in the standing area for 15 euro. Blimey. And that would, that would just fill it with people. That yeah. Fill it with people who, who would go every week. You know, and it, it it would sort the game out. How much is a season ticket at Arsenal? I think it's about twelve fifty. I don't pay that because I've got a mate who works for the club. Right. So we get about 30, 40% off. Okay. Uh, it's still a crazy amount of money. Yeah. The, I, 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 it works for me because I can kind of uh, 
a few times a year from away gigging or whatever, mm. I can sell my ticket. Right. And that basically pays for it. I mean, I, I missed the Spurs game in September, August, September. Got, you know, 120 quid for the ticket. Nice. So you think that's, you know... New, but that's new. the thing, isn't it? 120 quid. Yeah, it's for, mad. For a ticket it's to mad. football. It's mad. It's, it's mad. It's absolutely nuts. Who who can pay that? I mean, it's 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 really, really bad. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't, I don't know how you fix it apart from safe standing. I think safe standing is the smartest way to do it. And I think... You know what it's like. If you, it, I've been to games where it's freezing cold, you end up, and if it's nil nil, you end up sat down most of the game. You're not singing. Mm. You're not. But it's like you know the big games, and we we don't really have enough big games anymore. But when we do get them, you're standing up for most of it. Yeah. That that gets people singing. That gets people shouting, and it it makes it a better atmosphere. So hopefully that's what they'll introduce. So you. Mentioned earlier, you remember, you've always remembered Arsene Wenger being manager of Arsenal yeah, up until he yeah, left. Yeah, yeah. So when did you get into football? When did you get become an Arsenal fan? You mentioned you lived north of London. Yeah, so, so I'm Stevenage, so I'm just outside. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of people, well, actually, there, there was a lot of United fans around. I mean, there's always... <laughs> Wherever you, you are, there's you United go, fans, you yeah. Indonesia, you find it, United fans. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I mean, I've played football from about seven okay. years old, I'd imagine. Uh, first, this is such a weird way of getting into a team. I like. I think mean, it was a slight local thing, and I remember my dad wanted me to support Arsenal purely because my granddad was a Spurs fan. My mum's dad. Okay. So my dad thought it'd be funny to make me an Arsenal fan. But did your dad support Arsenal? No, he, he doesn't really ask about football. Oh, okay. He doesn't really care. But he, he just thought it'd be funny to wind up my granddad right. by making me an Arsenal fan. <laughs> yeah, and also I remember what, the first game of football I ever watched was Arsenal Chelsea, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, scored the winner. Right. Um. I didn't like the colour red. I was about seven years old. So I didn't like the colour red. I thought it was an aggressive colour. Never liked anything red. So I was like, I'm going to support the blue team. So I, I actually wanted to support Chelsea. Problem right. is, I didn't know which team was which. Okay. So, <laughs> so I got confused. So I was like, I, I like the blue ones. Arsenal. So, mate, I was that close to being a Chelsea fan. <laughs> we could be here talking about Chelsea, yeah. We could yeah. be here talking about Chelsea. But yeah, so that, that's how I got into it. And then I, I supported them ever since. And it's, I got to go to a couple of games at Highbury when I was younger. Um, fortunately, through sort of meeting people and a bit of work and stuff, I've been a season to get older for the last three seasons now. Um, but I, 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 I like to think that if I was to look at football, Arsenal would have been the team I liked. I like. Okay. I always like the way they play. I like the way they bring through young players. Obviously, it's a London team, so it makes sense for me to support mm. a London team. Because um, there is that local aspect of it, is it? It's very mm. easy to get to. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to an Arsenal game 20, from, from Stevenage, you know. Yeah, 20 minutes on the train. So it's 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 obviously my local team yeah. really would be either Luton or Stevenage. Yeah. Uh, but And I, I used to go to Kenilworth Lane a few times to watch Luton and I, used to, I saw Stevenage a few times. But um, yeah, Arsenal felt local enough. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I used to live in Cambridgeshire and right. a lot of Arsenal fans there. Yeah, know, because like, it's, again, yeah. it's like less than an hour on the train, isn't it? So it's... I, I always felt like I, I, had, I just had enough where... I was supporting a team that were good enough, mm. but also like all my mates at school who are either United or Liverpool, I could, I could say like, why do you, what, how, yeah. why? And they've always got some bollocks, you know. <laughs> my granddad's got a mate I love from that. the pub who's, who <laughs> went to Manchester once in the eighties, so yeah. now I support Man United. There's right, nothing so. better than asking a Man United fan why, and they go, well, my dad supported them from a young age. You go, yeah. Oh, is he from Manchester? No, no Southampton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolute bollocks. Well, that's it. And um, before. Today I asked you, you know, what was your proudest moment as a as an Arsenal fan? And you, I thought you were going to mention the Invincibles year, but you, uh-huh. something you brought up was 
Thierry Henry's return in 2012. That, that was my happiest one. Oh, your happiest? That, that was the happiest one. I that, that was the one where... And it, but that was because... So in, in the context, it was, it's context that made that so happy because in 2012, we had been suffering. You know? Yeah, we, you had We been, had yeah. been shit for a little while, you know? I think it was the year before that, 2011, that I thought we were going to win the League Cup right. and we messed it up. It was Koscielny and Chesney made a mistake. So 2012, when Henri came back, that was... I mean, and, you know, he was my hero. He mm. was my... I, I remember when I used to play when I was younger, I'd try and play like him. I'd cut in from the left onto my right foot. I'd even sort of, like, sort of pout my lips the way he did when he was playing. <laughs> like, I, I used to try and do everything just to be like Henri. So him coming back... And, you know, he came back and it's like, oh, he's been in America. Is he mm. fit? Can he still do it? I can still remember the goal. Like, you know, Alex Song had the ball. Yeah. He's such a weird player, Alex Song. <laughs> he was the strangest player we've ever had. Like, he's this sort of, like, unorthodox centre-back who we sort of pushed into midfield just because no one else in our midfield could tackle. And yet, out of nowhere, he just, like, bring out these beautiful, like, mm. through balls. And yeah, it's just he just he just split the defence, you know, one pass that went through the middle of the right back and the centre half and then Henri's there. And as soon as he takes that first touch, you can see on the pitch where he is, he opens up his body. Yeah. You know where the finish is going. And yeah, I was I was in a pub in central London with all my mates watching that and I just broke down in tears. <laughs> I I just broke down in tears. because I remember him leaving. Of I remember course, when yeah. I was, you know, twelve or thirteen, whatever, when he left. Maybe a bit older, maybe about thirteen, fourteen. I remember, like, heartbroken. Because yeah. it was over, you know? And it, I, he'd been at Arsenal since 1998, yeah. I'd grown up with him, being my hero, being, you know, he went from, he's a kid from France, can he deliver, to the, the Premier League's best player. I, mm. I, I personally think probably the best player to never win the Ballon d'Or. Okay, that's fair. You know, not 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 just a striker either. Like, we, he, I think he still holds the assist record in the Premier League. Like, this this unbelievable footballer became our captain. And when he left, it was just heartbreak. I remember he did, he did a message on the website, sort of saying goodbye and saying thanks to the fans. To get that back and to get a little... They always say you can never have back the things mm. that you enjoyed as a child. But to get it back and to actually feel like, oh, this is actually real. This is this is what it was. This isn't a cheap imitation. This is Henri. Like, ghosting through right foot curling it into the bottom corner yeah. it, this, it, it, you know we might want to get too Freudian I'd, I'd been given for a brief second I'd been given my childhood back yeah and so I yeah that. That, that that was nuts that that was even like I, I would put it above like the Invincibles and everything like that because you know the Invincibles I was like 13 mm. it was great but I didn't really understand how rare that was I didn't I didn't you know you were just enjoying the wins I was just enjoying yeah. the wins I just thought anything was possible you know I, I didn't I'd never had a bad time as a football fan so I was mm. like I didn't know I thought this could just go on forever maybe we'll be invincible next year yeah. well we should be winning the Champions League like mm. yeah so that, that was that was for me probably one of my happiest memories as an Arsenal fan I remember watching that I remember the stadium just erupting as well when it happened and I really enjoyed that goal because I was watching it with a, a really horrible Leeds fan. Oh, there's a lot of them, isn't there? <laughs> I'm probably going to have to interview one at some point so that's going to be fun, isn't it? Rob Mulholland is a Leeds fan. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I remember watching it with him and just watching his face drop and it was it was Mate. beautiful it was yeah, beautiful and everyone there who was a neutral wanted to see that because it was that whole thing as well I think a lot of people watching that game the FA Cup game and thinking if you see an, an old player 
come back. It was you talked about it being your childhood coming back. It was our childhood as well. We all remember yeah. watching him on Match of the yeah. Day. We remember watching him on on the telly and stuff. And uh, you know, World Cup '98 as well. And seeing him just do that at that peak was just great. It was he, such he, a nice he was, moment. He was one of those rare players, and you don't get many of them where. Every fan, as you say, in the Premier League, mm. would look forward to match of the day yeah. to see what he's done. I mean, I I, I had it with Cristiano Ronaldo at of United, course, yeah. loved it. Uh, recently, I've probably De Bruyne would be the one I pick out now. Where I, match of the day, I, I go, I can't wait to see what he's done this week. You know, so I think I, I think you're right. I think most neutrals watched Henri that night and went, Oh my god, it, just for tonight, it's back. You know, I'm going to talk about another moment you might consider quite a proud one. Mm. Um, it was. May have been Arsene Wenger's one of his last great kind of moments, and um, one I hate talking about, and that was the um, that was the League Cup comeback against Reading in uh, 2012. Marouane Shamak masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> I think Theo got four that night. Theo so got four. Theo always scores at the Medeski. He always scores at Medeski, and um, what a weird footballer. He, um, I was going to mention him as well actually because Walcott was kind of seen as the the next, you know, that Thierry Henry, yeah, when yeah. he was subbed off in his last game, he had a moment with him, didn't he? Yeah. And then Walcott took the 14, the 14 shirt and yeah. he was supposed to be the next yeah. Henri and it obviously didn't quite work out for him. No. Um, but yeah, going back to that game, I mean, that was for me a horror for Red in that yeah. game. Um, so that was a scout for you, wasn't it? That would have been a big scout to, to knock us oh, out. Oh yeah, and also it was our, our, we were in the Premier League at the time and yeah. we were like underdogs in the Premier League and I think that knocked our confidence because we realised that going 4-0 up against the Premier League team Means nothing. We can yeah. still lose. Who, who was your manager at the time? Was it was it Brian McDermott. Was it Brian McDermott? Yeah, yeah I thought it was. Um, no, yeah, it was probably, yeah. I, but, but I mean, that was quite incredible because I mean, it was a massive comeback. But I think the only the year previous or less than a year previous was almost the same had happened to Arsenal, where they were four 0 up, and then Newcastle, Newcastle came back to win four all. Goal at the end, wasn't it? Yeah. And do you remember that night watching it, where where Arsenal came back to win seven five? From being it, it was one of those games where because it went into extra time, didn't it? That's it. Yeah. And I remember just thinking it was, and it's, it's strange talking about this in a week where we just lost in extra time to Olympia. Yeah. It was one of them where going into extra time, it was just like God knows what's going to happen. Like mm. God, and, but this this is the this is kind of what characterised those Wenger teams. Yeah. You know, in those in those years, you had no idea. Like, we were just as likely to score seven goals in 120 minutes as we were mm. to lose 4-0 in 90. Right. So it was just bonkers. And, and <laughs> it you, was mad. It was absolutely nuts. And you, you, you look back now and you go, fair play to, to Wenger. Mm. I mean, I've heard people sort of looking back retrospectively at Mourinho's uh, United when they finished second and going, wow, we finished second with those players. Mm. Arsene Wenger had Marouane Shamak <laughs> playing that kind of football. Like, yeah. it, it was nuts, man. Like, and it, I, I remember that game, and it, it, you know, those league cups were quite funny because there was a time when that they would really just be for the kids. I remember Henry yeah. Lansbury playing in there. I remember Fran Merida players like that. By that point, we were bad enough. That it was like, <laughs> nah, get Walcott, get Walcott playing, get Shamak playing. But yeah, that was that was a crazy night. I mean, I, it probably meant more to you as a Reading fan. Do you know what I mean? Because as as I said, like that would have been a big. Oh, it would have been huge. I mean, we were four 0 up in forty minutes, and yeah. we thought this is um, yeah, we're torn apart. Amazing, torn apart. I mean, I, I can't remember who would have been in our defence then. I I got a feeling that was in the Bua year. It could have been, yeah. But I mean, we yeah, we we just we were just such a mad team, and it must have been must have been so difficult for people to analyse us back then. You know, like pundits mm. and stuff must have looked at that team and gone, 
Like, what do you say? Well, I, if I remember it right, I remember watching it at the time, and at half-time, they were all talking about Wenger's future. At half-time, yeah. they're talking about what's what the Wenger's fall from grace, basically, at half-time, being 4-0 down to Reading. And then at full-time, 7-5, they're talking about, well, this is the sort of thing Wenger can do. It's that yeah. fickle thing. Of exactly. The, but exactly. it was so weird to see that because as I said a year before that the same thing had happened oh wow you know Arsenal up at half time yeah, and then they've just gone in. and drawn for all yeah my god I remember that when I remember one of my mates ripping it out <laughs> for that but it, this, is, this is the problem is that yeah for so long we have been a freak team who, who anything could happen and it, you know especially under Wenger we just had the attacking potential where you couldn't really write us off yeah now it's different like we, it is really different now you know you, you look at the attacking options we have now, arguably they're better. Mm. Lacazette, Pepe, Bamiang, you know, Ozil, Martinelli, Nketiah, Saka, who's come through, looks yeah. incredible. But we're not the you know, if we were four 0 down at Reading now, I'll tell you now we're not we're not qualifying. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd love <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love us to just score four goals in any game ever, to be honest, <laughs> mate. I'd be happy with that. Um so uh, one thing you said as well, you mentioned that one of the lowest points was Arsenal Wenger's 1,000th game against Chelsea, Chelsea yeah. and the last there. What was that? Was that six or was it four? I can't remember. I mean, I remember Hazard just tore us to shreds. I never liked playing Chelsea. Do you think that was quite a poignant moment at that point? I think there'd been a couple. I think the 8-2 the is yeah. the one that a lot of people pick out. But I think that there was something about the Chelsea one. There was the fact it was Mourinho and there was... You know Hazard, who we were linked with for seven years. I mean, I, I was one of them. I'd always read the uh, the gossip column on BBC Sport, mm. and uh, you know, for years I was reading about Hazard. Apparently, you know, he went to Chelsea instead, and he he ran rings around us that day. He absolutely tore us to shreds. I think Bellerin went off early with an injury, and it was it was you know it was just everything that every every sort of criticism that anyone could have had at Arsenal kind of came home to roost that day. We were soft. We were mm. getting pushed around. We were weak. Wenger looked lost, absolutely lost. And, right. and the, the problem is, like, a big part of why, as I said earlier, like, I'd like to think I'd support Arsenal regardless of where, you know, my dad wanted me to do it because it would wind up my granddad or whatever. But, like, I like Wenger as a man. Yeah. I really like him as a man. I think you listen to some of his interviews. He's so frighteningly intelligent. And it was just hard. It was hard watching this guy who'd, you know, say what you like about him, he'd put, everything into that job you know bled for that club it's hard watching him get humiliated really you know and and I, th- I think that was the one where he pushed Mourinho on the touchline I think that's he it. squared up to yeah. him and pushed him <laughs> and I think that's the only part of that game I enjoyed <laughs> yeah that, that was heartbreaking the, the, the thing is over the years we've had those results and mm. we've almost got used to them like, you know I remember Bayern Munich just you know, yeah. taking the mick out of us you know United did it City have put some bad results over us over the years you do get a little bit numb to it, but I think because of the occasion, mm. that one just stung. Really, really oh. stung. And it, and it was, I, th- I think that for me was probably when I went, yeah, we've got to move on. Really? For, for his sake. Yeah. For his sake. I it, 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 it was, you know, to bring in a bit of a boxing analogy, someone had to throw the towel in for him. Right. Because he just couldn't, you know, whether it was the players not listening, the board not backing him in the transfer window... I, I think football moved on. Do you I, think? Yeah, that's what I'm, I was going to ask. Do you think he struggled with the way football had become in the 2010s? Because you know he was the masterclass from the late 90s all the way through to the 2000s. But as football changed, going like, did did you think he struggled to kept up? I think, keep I, up with I, that? Th- I think 
I think defensively, yeah. I think if you look at what Pep's got his teams doing, what you know, funnily enough, Arteta's got our team doing now. Yeah. The the kind of discipline, the yeah, the, the kind of manager Wenger was. Wenger was about getting really good players on the pitch and blowing as much smoke up their arse as possible and going, you trust yourself, you know what to do, do your thing, it's going to be great. Right. When you've got brilliant players, not even just your 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 kind of you know your Vieira or Henri Bergkamp's, but your Van Persies, your Sanchez's, your Özil's when they're on form, your Fabregas's. When you've got them, you can say that to them. When you haven't got them, when you've got your Cockerlands, your you know, your Murtasackers, I'd say you know your, your cliches, players who are decent, but they they need to be told what to do, where to stand. And especially off the ball, I mean, I think it, I don't know whether it was Keane or Savage. There was a BBC pundit who, who made the point. They were like, with the ball, Arsenal can still do a lot of good stuff. Without the ball, they're probably the worst team in the league. And I think that was the case for maybe the last three or four years of Wenger's reign. So Wenger goes, and mm. in comes Emery. Mm. How did you feel at the time? Were you optimistic? No, I, I, I have to be honest. I was always a bit like, oh, this doesn't feel right. It <laughs> who doesn't. Did you, who did you want to come in? I always wanted Ancelotti. Okay. I always wanted Ancelotti. I I remember at the time it looked like we were going to get Arteta. Um, there was talk of Henri. There was talk of Vieira. I just thought with everything that was happening, we needed like a safe pair of hands, okay. someone who didn't think they were going to be there for fifteen years, someone who knew they were going to come in, do two or three years. We like we had, and we still do have a decent enough squad. It's worse now, but back then right. we 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 still had Ramsey. We still had, you know, Welbeck. Uh, you know, he was a useful part of our squad back then. We, you know, we had attacking options. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought Ancelotti was the guy to come in. Emery came in. I just looked at what happened at PSG and the kind of style that he played. I just thought oh, it's not going to work. I think we had a bit of a new manager bounce for a few weeks. You know, we went unbeaten for a while, and then it just it just fell to shit. got a great podcast drugs obviously do have an effect in football and footballers it's been yeah. the, the make and break of some some of their careers mm-hmm. we, we do we've done an episode actually on performance nights and drugs which kind okay. of touches on that a little bit um it's interesting we, we spoke about football and and uh in terms of performance enhancing drugs you don't get much of it in football mm. because it's there's so much money involved and there's so much sponsorship yeah. and if you take away the integrity of the sport they lose all the sponsorship so they're, they're very careful you get much more in athletics and boxing and stuff but um, in terms of like footballers I mean we, as, when we were researching that episode I was looking at footballers I forgot um, Adrian Muti Chelsea right he uh, was a cakehead yeah and that, that only came out afterwards you think fuck that's crazy yeah well then you look back at things like you know Maradona and Gascoigne you know, when they played well, each other in Italy they both said to each other we're both fucked like mm. I'm fucked mate and he said to him yeah I'm fucked too they're sad they cases man yeah. both, both of them are proper sad cases I mean I saw a video the other day Maradona's still on it pitch mm. side they, they had a thing I think it was for Argentina it was like a charity thing where like people would sort of coordinate themselves to stand in front of cameras and they were quite clearly giving him a little bump Christ very sad man I mean you look at like the Tuesday club at Arsenal you know, some of them made it, some of them didn't. You look at like Ray Parler. Mm. I don't want to say he was on drugs, but he was definitely drinking a lot. Tony yeah. Adams as well. Yeah, Paul Merson. I mean, but Paul, was... Paul Merson's an interesting one because he didn't really have much of an England career. No. And you think how good could he have been? Yeah. If it wasn't the drinking, the drugs, and also the gambling for Paul. But I look at Ravel Morrison came through at United, and he's he's supposed to have had some drug problems as well. 
he was supposed to be like the most talented teenager of his career, of his generation, sorry. He was supposed to be like the most talented English kid that those coaches had ever seen. Lost, lost to drugs. And it, I think it's an interesting one because I think now it seems like they're kind of in an environment where they're kind of sheltered from all that. But I think definitely there was a period, 90s and maybe noughties, where people could just slip into that. And you think, how many, as you say, how many careers were lost, you know? Yeah, it's it's um it's, it was really interesting about you know <clears throat> something I really did want to talk to you today was about the fact that you know you've been doing this podcast about drugs and there is as we said a lot of drugs in football we've heard there's lots of rumours out there you know that obviously we don't want to say anything but you know various footballers who have had downfalls because of that mm. so it was definitely something I wanted to speak to and it is interesting when you some of these stories you don't hear about till a long time after I think there's going to be more as well I mean yeah. I, I I think about Arsenal. There was rumours around a few players at the end of Wenger's uh, at, the, at the end of Wenger's career. Rosicki was one, always injured, always injured, and it sometimes was a bit weird. And I, I, you know, you read these conspiracy theories, and people sort of say, "Well, the thing is, you know, if you if you're not in a match day squad, you're not tested by the Premier League. So, right, it, whether it's performance enhancers or recreational drugs, coke, whatever." that people wouldn't know it if yeah. you're not in a match day squad if you're supposedly injured. Another one is Jack Wilshere. Now, Jack grew up in Hitchin, just down the road from mm. me. I've never met him properly. I've got friends who've met him. I've, I could never claim that he's a drug user. Mm. I do know he was a bit of a drinker. Right. He liked a night out. I mean, quite funnily, I remember there's a there was a nightclub in Stevenage called Chicago's. The night that he made his debut for England at 17... You know, I think it was like Thursday or Friday night, big queue outside Chicago's. He turns up in the flashiest car you've ever seen. Right. Straight up to the door. All right, mate, I'm coming in. Who are you? I'm Jack Wilshire. You might have just seen me. I was playing for England tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Made your debut. Yeah. At 17. Yeah. You obviously can't come in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're famous for being 17. Like, of course, you yeah. can't come in a nightclub. But so they're two that I wonder about. I think there's probably loads more. I, I think. It'll be interesting if it does come out, if if that was the case. That mm. I know that if I was 18 years old, earning 30, 40 grand a year, I, mate, I, I mean, I was when I was 18, 19 years old, I was earning 14 grand a year. Yeah. And I still wanted to spend it on gear. Yes. <laughs> so, so if you stick a zero on the end of that, I'm, sh- I'm sure I would have wanted more of it, you know? So. Right. Um, I will say though, of course, we're not slandering anyone on this podcast. Not anyone, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about rumours. I'm, I'm covering my back. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, no, These no, are no. rumours that are out there. Where there's been rumours about it, so who knows? Yeah, it's, well, Jacob, thanks very much for uh, coming on the podcast, Thanks my man. It's really appreciated. You don't go away empty-handed, of course. Everybody gets a little treat. For oh, you here. mentioned this. Um, you're taking home your very own Tony oh, Adams. Oh yes, this is mate, so, moving into. I'm moving out, so this is going to take pride of place on the on the mantelpiece. And uh, hopefully, you haven't already got it. I've got you a uh, Adidas retro. Oh my god, is that the bruised banana? That's the bruised banana for you. Oh, mate, you legend. It's Thank uh, you so much. no problem at all. It's the proper Adidas uh, oh, remake, so it's uh, it's all kosher. That's beautiful. Thanks so much. No man. problem at all. No it's problem at all.
top man. Best of luck for next season. Appreciate Hopefully it. it'll be good. You know, fresh start, Arteta. And um, best of luck to you, mate, for the, the new show. Appreciate Very it. much looking forward to seeing it. Cheers, Fantastic man. first guest to have on our podcast. Appreciate it, man. Started Appreciate at the beginning, Arsenal. It's it's not going to be AFC Bournemouth next week. Don't be thinking <laughs> that. Don't go thinking we're doing them all in order. It's all going to be very sporadic. We'll, we'll hopefully have you back at some time in the future to, when you're on another Invincibles run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might be waiting a while. <laughs> nice one. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. A big thank you once again to my first guest of the series, Jacob Hawley. What a fantastic first guest as well. Brilliant. Thanks very much, mate. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, then good. That's, that's what I made it for. Uh, we've got plenty more episodes to come this series, so why don't you subscribe and you'll get the rest of the episodes coming straight to you on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts, essentially. And hey, if you want to see more content, why don't you give us a follow on the old socials? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle. It's at ComTalkFootyPod. That's at ComTalkFootyPod. You'll find us, as I said, on Instagram and Twitter. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at SammyBoyMichael. Until next time, where our guest will be John Matthews, my good friend John, talking all things Southampton. I want to say thank you for listening. And as I said, if you enjoyed, you can subscribe. But at the very least, why not tell a mate about it who you think might enjoy it too? I'm Sam Michael, and you've been listening to Comedians Talking About Football. Until next time, cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.